The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome on to the Twitter NBA show post game. This is also going to be tonight's dunked on kind of an abbreviated version here. We're just going to talk about this Cleveland Toronto game, which is actually still ongoing uh, as we speak. I'm going to turn it, is, it off. It is technically ongoing, yeah. but it is not it is not functionally ongoing. Uh, at the point we're recording, the Raptors are up 99 to 70. They have just absolutely thoroughly outclassed the Cavs. It is and and what I've enjoyed so much about this is that it has been a team performance from the Raptors. They were getting contributions from all over scoring surprisingly from just I mean from uh Siakam had a couple of nice scoring plays on the dribble drive CJ Miles hitting shots from three one of the yeah. best games right was outstanding Wright's Van Vliet, defense Van Vliet Jakob, might have been the Pirtle. best player in this game yeah Pirtle was excellent but yeah the, the defense energy and where I think I want to start with this game here we can get into the nitty-gritty with the box score and stuff is you know all right Kyle Lowry didn't play Isaiah Thomas is kind of coming back uh Serge Ibaka was suspended due to the altercation with James Johnson against Miami but what can we take from this for a potential matchup of these teams in the playoffs if it occurs and what's just kind of noise OG Ananobi did a very nice job on LeBron James he couldn't couldn't prevent him from doing everything but did a nice enough job and especially when Serge Ibaka wasn't available as a help defender to be able to do that and force him into some tough shots was impressive and that's what you're looking for are those one-on-one matchups and I thought he did a good job the Raptors have been searching for four years for a guy who can slow down LeBron James Ananobi, it's one game, but I think he's done as good a job as anybody. I mean, James Johnson, that was a big part of why they acquired him. P.J. Tucker, why they acquired him. Patrick Patterson back in the day, I think that was a part of the inspiration with him as well. Um, I'm trying to remember what the timing with that. And OG did a nice job. I'm not going to say he's going to do that in a seven-game series, but it's a data point, and it's a good data point. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, obviously LeBron was very good is still offensively in this game, the one calf who was. But, you know, just to have, I mean... Uh, and Zach Lowe was saying this the other day, and we've been saying it for a while, just to have a guy who it's like, all right, if he tries to ISO or post up, it's not just like, like emergency help immediately. This guy has no chance but just to follow, you know, and pretty much everyone else that the Raptors have ever had, that's been the case, except for maybe P.J. Tucker last year. But OG has the length and athleticism in addition to the strength, you know, with that 7-2 wingspan and pretty good leaping ability that Tucker did not. So just the, you know, LeBron's going to score. He's going to get out in transition. They're going to get switches. But just to at least have that base level of, all right, if you just throw it to LeBron and ISO, we're not just going to have to double team immediately, which has basically been what the refs have had to do is really nice. And something that has changed with P.J. Tucker a little bit this year is that he was a a reluctant three-point shooter last year. And I think Ananobi already is a little bit maybe more capable overall 
overall offensively than PJ Tucker is. And that's, I mean, he can be a lot better in a couple of years. It's just working in. And that was another takeaway from this game. I'm not sure how relevant this is in a potential playoff series between these two teams, but the overall capability of Toronto's support players, you know, like we saw Pascal Siakam take Kevin Love off the dribble. We saw him hit a couple of shots. We saw Jakob Pertl play just a nice overall game. I thought he contested well defensively, was able to do some stuff on switches. Offensively, he battled on the glass, something we have seen before. So those guys are not necessarily going to be where the bread is buttered game in, game out in the playoffs, but a good performance from those guys can swing one or two in the seven. And you know, if it goes seven against a good team, that can be enough. Yeah. So I think that just the overall athleticism, intensity, the force with which Toronto played, these young guys were not scared. Dalen Wright did an awesome job on Isaiah Thomas. I think that's something that can translate to some degree as well. Um, But so, so all that's encouraging for Toronto. Sure. Now, am I going to pick them to uh, to beat Cleveland? No, I, I, I don't think so. And, and here's what I think will not translate. I mean, number one, Isaiah Thomas is two for 15 and negative 20 with, with three assists. Either one of two things is going to happen. Either he'll get better and he looked extremely slow in this game. It, it did not look good at all. That was, it was a problem. Uh, but either he's going to play better and be better or he's just going to be, you know, not have nearly as large of a role as he's had. So that's number one. Number two, Cleveland, two out of 15 on three-pointers. And that's, uh, they're going to get up more three-pointers. I thought Toronto's defense was excellent to avoid giving up threes. Well, but, one thing yeah. I want to mention on that, Kevin Love, Kyle Korver, and Channing Fry combined for one three-point attempt in this game. J.R. Smith yeah. had two. Yeah, Love, uh, zero three-point attempts. And, you know, I think they're going to do a lot more to try to space out Kevin Love to take advantage of Valanchunas guarding him, a, a traditional center trying to guard him. So, I, you know, I think that's something that is not necessarily going to translate. What and else you got? One of the other things that made this game interesting, I'm not really sure how it translates, was Cleveland turning to Tristan Thompson early when they were having a little bit of trouble against yeah. Toronto. It worked for a brief period of time, but then Toronto kind of got back into it. They were still getting beasted on the offensive glass a little bit. That was Pirtle's worst stretch was when Tristan was on the floor. But there isn't really that much. I, there, there's kind of a ceiling to a point on those kind of lineups just because they don't have as much spacing. There isn't as much versatility offensively and you can execute to just focus on Tristan Thompson a little bit more and it also helped that Cleveland just wasn't making their shots I mean that, that was another yeah. element of this no so, I mean at, at halftime Cleveland uh, was like two out of 25 on shots away from the rim I mean, right they've had some games like well, that and then but. and then the, the part of Cleveland's defense that you do want to be a little bit concerned with is the fact that they weren't taking anything away from the Raptors the Raptors were getting what they wanted they were getting drives to the basket I believe they had 28 shots in the restricted area in the first half they weren't getting to the line much but that's because they weren't getting fouled they were yeah. just getting to where they want to they, they weren't took, even close enough they to took foul them. one mid-range <laughs> jumper in the entire first half DeRozan took a couple in the third quarter and that will be better the biggest difference with Cleveland as opposed to some other teams is not personnel though there are some differences in this game specifically it's that they'll actually care and in this game it LeBron didn't start this game in chill mode but the rest of his team did so he got there pretty quickly and Cleveland is not as good as as they need to be at stopping teams from getting what they want to but they can be better than they were tonight a couple other things actually that, that i didn't include in my potential
eventually will translate list 44 percent offensive rebounds uh as we yeah i mean speak right now for for toronto and if they're they're not going to play tristan regularly that's going to be a weak point for them uh and then also i think uh another thing is the fast break from toronto i think cleveland has shown that they are not very good getting back in transition so that's that's something that we can see but remember uh, you know toronto is going to have serge ibaka and kyle lowry as well and you know is ibaka derozan lowry i mean the reason i still think and we said this during the broadcast that toronto is a massive underdog to me against cleveland no matter how well they play in the regular season i just i don't think that lowry and derozan are good enough to hang you know I, I, with uh even like a healthy isaiah thomas is i think is probably was better than both those guys in the playoffs last year uh lebron obviously is way way better i mean those guys just have not been able to produce in the playoffs and toronto you know maybe they've taken some positive strides it looks like maybe you know they're moving the ball a little bit more they're empowering some of the other people but you know at the end of games they go into iso mode and it's just i'm not convinced like you're yet. you're questioning the assumption but you're not moving off it yet is kind of the way that it is and you might not even and so one of the also in terms of cleveland's transition defense in this game which was generally abysmal toronto was able to get 19.2 percent of their possessions in transition just 12 percent for cleveland mm-hmm. that's that's a concern some of it was just cleveland also being a little bit more passive off their own defensive rebounds than i think they need to be but you know like cleveland is going to have to be better this year obviously to get through the eastern conference than they were because they're going to face better opposition last year they had i mean we, we talked about it oh i think we ended up talking about it more with the warriors than with the Cavs about how the warriors had some good fortune especially with Kawhi getting hurt in the middle of game one but cleveland you know they didn't get any team's best shot last year to me and yeah and so this year there are better teams and there are, and there are teams more likely to get your better shot than than the best shot than they did last year when they did so yeah. i don't think that's going to lead necessarily to them losing a series but if it gets six or so then random chance comes in more you know if it gets to that kind of a circumstance so i i think that there are reasons to be hopeful if you are a raptors fan if you are a celtics fan in a way that there were not before but yeah. and we haven't seen the cleveland team in the playoffs without kyrie either he right. obviously has had some really good playoffs too and, um, and i mean lebron has looked like lebron so far this year i i have i mean this has been one of this has been one of the short list of his best seasons offensively statistically um but you know i'm not going to say that he's guaranteed to be as good as he was two years ago in the playoffs or anything like that i expect it but it's not a guarantee all right let's take some questions here and then we'll do a little bit of news at the end of this segment as well we're going to be a little bit shorter than our usual dunked on here uh what will make DeRozan top tier after his improvement in three-point and passing well i mean I, I, he obviously is much more aggressive he had one three today which i thought you know he had that five of eight game against the bulls he had not been shooting it well up until very recently let's keep that in mind and, and then also he had this play where he came off of an iverson cut and you know really nice footwork getting into a corner three you know if that's a, he banged another one when they went under on pick and roll so that actually looked pretty good for for him so that that's a reason to believe but to answer the question you know number one we haven't seen it in the playoffs number two you know he still is kind of slow he's he's reliant very much on the mid-ranger he's very much reliant on getting fouled as well some those calls sometimes are not going to be there and just history i mean he I, just hasn't he hasn't gotten there yet in the playoffs i won't believe until he does i'm happy you didn't mention the two things i was going to say well one of them is, is in line with that one is the idea of undeniability the best players can get theirs at least to some degree against the best competition we haven't seen that with derozan and then the other big part is defense derozan has been a bad defender throughout his career even this year you know there have been moments where he's tried a little bit there were elements of this game where he just didn't get into the right spot and the best wings in the league are at least passable on both on both ends now point guards can be a little bit different but point guards are orchestrating more of the offense and 
DeRozan's usage is high this year and all that, but he's not that guy. He's not Steph Curry offensively. He's not transforming their team. And something that struck me in this game, the Raptors dropped 65 on the Cavs in that first half. DeRozan was one for six from the field. He was fine. It was, you know, wasn't, wasn't terrible, but top tier, like to me, that, that's a, that's a rarefied error that he can do, but he can be better than he was and be valuable. Someone said, are the Celtics going to make a move? My, my instinct is that the Celtics are going to use the disabled player exception. It's about 8.4 million that they got from Gordon Hayward being hurt, but I don't think they do much more than that. And they have a good rotation. Like, I don't think any other team is going to trade a superstar in season to them. I don't think, you know, as much as there is a possibility they could trade for AD in the future, it's not going to be this year. So I think they they should be thrilled with where they are at this point this season. I mean, with Gordon Hayward being out, integrating Kyrie Irving. So you do what you can, but you don't mortgage anything in the future to get better now because tomorrow's a better day. What is the primary reason the Raptors defense has improved so much uh, this year? And it starts with... Uh the usual reason better defensive players and yeah. uh, has really given them something well, as well right playing more they only had something. Serge Ibaka for a third of last season sure I yeah. mean uh, pe- people they played a, Terrence Ross for a lot of it's the, an interesting misnomer that gets out there and this is a fundamental change with this year I've written about this for the sporting news people assume that the all that the trade deadline was the halfway point it isn't it's the t- it last used to be the two-thirds point and so if yeah. you're looking at overall season-long numbers Serge Ibaka wasn't out there very much Serge Ibaka is a very good defensive player so so they, they that's a big difference. OG has helped them. I think their second unit has been like their just defensive personnel in the second unit has been better this year. Yeah, I mean I think Pirtles look better. Just Pascal Siakam, you know all those kind of guys. And I think off the top of my head they've been a little bit healthier, and so that helps. You know, like they missed Lowry for was it like a third of the season last year? Yeah, pretty much right after Ibaka arrived. So this year Toronto fourth in defense, and last year as I recall they're pretty much mid pack. Let me see. Yeah, they were. Where are they here? Here I can. Oh, I, have it up. They're eighth, yeah, but but they're almost uh, two point five points per one hundred possessions better, and that's in a rising uh, offensive environment uh, as well. And so, yeah, I think they just they have better defensive players uh, this year. Uh, you know, Pirtle has come into his own as well as a backup center. That's l- looked pretty good. Off the top of my head, have have their best players been playing a little bit fewer minutes this year? It's, yeah, it feels I think like so. it feels like they have. And so, when you play fewer minutes, you can push a little bit more, even though those guys haven't been key to their offensive development. So. Uh, uh, Celtics should go after Lou Williams. That's an interesting thought. You know, I think, you know, he obviously has been really good. He had that 50-point game that we were both at last night. We will I, talk about that in the 15 and 60, by the way. Yeah, I do think that he takes a little bit away from what makes the Celtics great defensively. I mean, they really only play one guy who's not very good defensively, and that's serving. They've got a lot of switchability, a lot of sides. Lou Will totally takes that away. Now, they struggle to score without Irving on the floor, without Al Horford on the floor. I think that... Lou would help that. I think he's playing as be- better than he ever has. I mean, his quickness. I mean, he was just blowing by guys these last few games uh, that we've seen. But nonetheless, you know, I'm not sure that he really makes a ton of sense for the Celtics. Um, they also don't have flat some salary. Yeah, yeah, it would be. But well, he they makes, could use the DP. Well, how much does he make? Yeah, he makes seven million. So he would actually he would, fit. He would fit. Yeah, he would actually fit. Yeah. Um. So it's an interesting idea. I'm not sure that he's someone who's really you really want playing a ton of minutes. You know, I mean, if you look at some of the teams they have to go against, right? They have to go against. 
against LeBron. So you put him in a small, small pick and roll, you're in trouble there. Yeah, they have to go against Toronto. DeMar DeRozan loves that play also. Uh, and Lou typically has not played as well in the playoffs either. So I think he can, you know, he definitely can help a team. But, you know, at the absolute best levels, I'm not sure really how much he's going to help you. But if the price is low enough, you might as well get him. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked if a Marcus Soul trade for the Raptors is is realistic. I don't think it's kind of realistic from either perspective. The Grizzlies aren't looking to trade him right now. They should be, but I don't think they are. And then um, the Raptors, I don't think he makes them that much better. I mean, there is this outdated thing. We talk about it with respect for shooters, that reputation is outdated a lot of times. Marcus Soul's reputation as a defender is completely for the people. Oh, he's he, bad now. He's yeah. bad now. Like he's, and so that part of it, I don't think he makes them better. I haven't seen him make a good defensive play like in any game that I've watched him all year, basically at this point. Uh, another question we had was if you trade for a pending restricted free agent on draft night, do you have his restricted rights? You cannot trade for uh, a, anybody who's going to be a free agent. Anybody after the who trade could deadline. be a free agent. So like, even if it's a team option that has not yet been decided. Yes, that is yeah. correct. Um, so you would have to uh, basically opt in for sure, even if you have a player or a team option. Otherwise, right. you, you cannot be traded. Yeah, and they, that's exactly why they do it that way. Um, so yeah, it is there. So that's and they structure it that way for that reason. Um, all right, let's take one more, and then we'll we'll head into news here. Do you, do you want to do the mellow question? No, I don't really have a, any of that. Um, let's see. What should the Nuggets do at the trade deadline? So what are their team needs? They still need a guy who can defend and hit shots on the wing. I mean, that's, <laughs> they need that's... to trade a big man. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I would say another another capable forward would be a, a really good thing for them just to have another option. I mean, Wilson Chandler hasn't been great this year. Man, OG he, and Anobi. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's obviously you know they think they thought that they were going to be able to draft him at twenty four, and obviously they weren't. I mean, don't forget. I mean, we, we've almost forgotten because he played the first you know month of the year, and then he's been out ever since. Is Paul Millsap? They're going to be getting him yeah. back at, at this point, and so I mean, I think they they especially if you're going to play Millsap, he's shot the three a little more this year, but you know. I'm not sure he's a plus offensive player in their system, really, especially if they're throwing him these post-ups yeah. all the time. I, I really hope that he's watching this, what they've been doing offensively and saying, like, become a smaller cog in that machine and just dominate defensively because they there's a there's a potential there for them to just be unbelievable. Yeah, and but then that means that really you need one more guy, you know, a Wilson Chandler type of three-man. Like, that's not quite good enough shooting. Will Barton is a guy, they've had some success in lineups with him at the three, but he's kind of more, you know, a guy like, have the ball in his hands and a guy who can space out and with jamal murray gary harris will run some pick and rolls and go back to i mean you and all that space that's there on those backdoor cuts as those guys work at the elbow and you need a guy who can space out and so you know i'll take a look here at, at who might be available um but i still think they need to get a little bit better uh defensively but you don't want to do that at, at the expense well, of and, and the other big complication with them if we're being practical about this is that they're not going to do anything to jeopardize going deeper into the tax concerns for next season yeah especially with Chandler op opting in potentially yeah so so like you could say oh well they would help they'd be helped by getting somebody like Wesley Matthews sure conceptually yeah. maybe but he makes a bunch more money and so they're they're not going to add six million to their books for that kind of an upgrade in this season so you, you could say it would help but they're not going to do it so yeah and I think I mean if you look I have this list of players who I think you know might get moved or potential podcasts there's really nobody who's a, a good shooter at the 
the wing positions who can play passable defense is going to be available the reason that that's the case i mean and especially not a guy who can guard threes but you know sure. you think who's going to guard kevin durant on the team maybe i guess it's Millsap to some degree but yeah so i don't know and they don't even know how it's going to i mean Millsap won't even be back until after the all-star break so i, I wouldn't expect them to do anything for all those reasons that we discussed all right let's uh let's do a little bit of news here so i think the place that we have to start is the news from Shamstranya uh that Dion waiters it looks like he's going to elect to have season ending ankle surgery this was an issue that persisted from last season yeah he did the, i'm sure the heat knew about it they were the team that had him before that he elected not to have surgery and he's been hampered by it throughout this season now he's going to miss the rest of the year so that is one part of it we can also talk about the other angle of this which is that the heat get a disabled player exception just like the gordon hayward one except that it's for a smaller value it is for 5.5 million dollars and miami i believe they have 15 guys on roster right now though one of those is aj hammonds um and the so but so, but they're far enough below the luxury tax where it would cost ownership more money mickey harrison but it would not put them into the tax at all so they could theoretically use this or their room mid-level exception which they still have yeah and for waiters i mean for and the heat i mean the heat have been on fire lately in the win-loss column but just a number of unsustainable close wins of late they really struggle with ball handling josh richardson has emerged to some degree but he's very inconsistent he can be very turnover prone and so they could they might be a team actually you know that could look to find someone else who can create but they have a lot of small guys I mean, what they really could use is a guy who could play the three and do something off the dribble but that sort of player is you know a star generally so not really available um but really i mean i think as it affects them this year not that much because waiters just you know he wasn't playing well enough and he had this ankle injury and so if he's gonna keep playing that way they're probably better off just not playing him but the hope was that he could return and be similar to the player he was last year and that now is lost well, the counter that i would consider with them is to just throw some money at a straight one just a, a point guard who can run yeah. who can who can handle a little bit maybe shoot a little bit i mean those guys are more available but what do you mean throw some money like use the just try to trade for someone yeah trade for somebody or if a buyout yeah, guy like a, actually they could be a tyreek evans destination they now. could be and and depending on how point guards see i, I haven't thought about buyout buyout point guards yet i don't know if you have that on your list all sorted out yet but yeah they would be a reasonable destination. actually you know who might be a reasonable uh guy to go there uh derrick rose if he were to accept a buyout with cleveland that would reduce their tax bill although you know cleveland might not be too interested in helping out miami but they might be a playoff first round payout yeah. Component, but yeah but would that be how miami <laughs> yeah it's possible though cleveland is playing so well they uh, uh or i'm sorry miami is playing so well at this but, point yeah but, that yeah. that's sort of an idea or even just like a could just to have somebody else who can handle the ball and the, the other risk for miami with this injury it's is a beating a dead horse for me but i i always have to talk about because it it's important is it makes any other further injury a lot more impactful just because you have fewer options they have a lot of guys on the wings i mean they're already missing roddy mcgruder yeah but if tyler johnson misses time he missed a game due to his shoulder if josh richardson misses time if gordon Dragic misses time they just have fewer options there so and they're going to be battling to make it into the playoffs so that they'll miss him in that way but that is probably the biggest way i think that they will miss him at this point yeah and at least one good thing is that justice winslow could return as early as sunday from uh the knee injury that's kept him out uh, more than a month here where would you like to go next i think we should go to um just a, a a relatively forgotten piece of news but steve clifford has been off the the charlotte hornets bench for a long time and he has been medically cleared thankfully to return to coaching strangely we have never heard what his ailment is but there is an ailment 
Smith. And so uh, he will be back, I think what I heard is next week. And so that's great. Uh, Steven Silas has been coaching in, in the interim status in his stead. I don't think that what has been, we, we both picked them as our most disappointing team of December. I don't think that was mostly a failure of coaching. I think Silas was mostly executing what Clifford would have done. He, you know, laid the framework and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's still good to see him back. Yeah, that's certainly the case. Uh, Nikola Miritich, uh, rumors from both Salt Lake and then confirmed uh, out of Chicago. Uh, Tony Jones, Casey Johnson, among others, Woj discussed it as well. He might have even been the first, probably was, uh, that uh, there could be the potential of a deal with Miritich and Derek Favors as the principals. That was the thing that really blew me away in this. So I, I, Utah makes sense. They, they, a guy who can space the floor, I think they are more closely embraced this, you know, four out consistently idea. But Derek Favors, I mean, he was a high draft pick. He's been a talent. We, I mean, there was two years ago, we talked about the idea of could he be the best player on this team? He also isn't a perfect fit for the Bulls because he can, they have a bunch of big guys that they paid, but maybe you can reroute him somewhere else, get something else. I just yeah. thought they would be looking to make it as a smaller deal. And if, if, and the way that uh, I believe was Tony Jones had it was that it at least the headline was that they're dangling Favors. And so that makes it seem like they're the ones who are initiating in that and so that's significant I mean that means A they're very interested in Miritich and also with Derek Favors there it was a seeming part he's an unrestricted free agent it didn't seem like he was particularly happy there yeah and so. he's the center I mean he's gonna have to come off the bench as long as Rudy Gobert is there and obviously Gobert they made a, a massive contractual commitment to him Pistons and Blazers also being discussed I think that the construct of that would probably have to be something along the lines of draft pick compensation from the Pistons or Blazers or a young then, player well and then just the bad salary that well, those and, guys and have that's and that's the big problem those of you who've been listening to our trade deadline previews one thing that I've been talking about is there just aren't a lot of high value expiring contracts around the league and so the Bulls have to make a very different decision they have to figure out where they're going to go with that and it's a challenge because if the Bulls want to take on multi-year money then they're gonna they're gonna have to figure that out uh yeah another thing there I mean so John Luer might be someone that we would talk about being involved there Myers Leonard maybe and so then the question is those guys you know Lure has barely played this year Leonard has barely played because he's not good this year <laughs> so you have to say you know you're pay, taking on maybe 20 million in dead-ish money Oof. you know that's kind of like worth a first round pick on its own and then you get into Miritich as well you know what is he worth presumably his team option will be exercised before he gets traded or he would have to consent to the deal which he likely would and I think you know he certainly could help the Pistons he could help the Blazers a lot with their lack of shooting he, he could be exactly what they needed uh, but and, and he has he's not as good as he's played this year too I and mean, we should note that well I, I try I struggle a little bit with how he would fit with Portland in the sense that Al Farouk Aminu I mean granted Mo Harkless hasn't been as good as we hoped he would be this year just that that overall he would help their offense a lot um I think defensively it would create some challenges for them where Portland I, I think they've been able to work with a guy like that before though they would probably play Tobias Harris less at the four and he's had some advantages when that's been the play though he hasn't played there all the time brian windhorse had a long piece about isaiah thomas his own contract drama with the Cavs. will assume that he plays a little bit better than two out of 15 going forward here but that even if lebron were to leave it might make a little bit more sense for thomas to re-sign there with bird rights presumably on the thinking that if they can get him on a decent contract then he could be tradable afterward because no one else has a mechanism by which to pay him but he could still be worth you know a decent salary yeah and the idea there would theoretically be that 
that, uh, yeah, the, as sign him in that way, but also not overpay him because then, you know, the idea of signing a guy to a value contract when they're in their 30s and small and a point guard can can turn pretty quickly. And there is also the kind of the personal element. One thing I thought was interesting in Windhorse's piece was talking about how Dan Gilbert might identify with that and the, the smaller guy, kind of the, the, the that drafted K Felder and all that. And the problem with that is generally... <laughs> Dan Gilbert has been rumored to have a bit of a Napoleon complex. <laughs> but, but the challenge is the, it would be an ownership decision, but if LeBron leaves, which I think is the more interesting pre- premise of the would the Cavs sign Isaiah without him, LeBron, is they would be a very different team. And I don't think Isaiah would keep them afloat. And considering the protected picks and everything like that, they saw what happens when you lean into it and get good draft picks and all that. They were able to build back faster. If they just try to stay like the fringe playoff team for a couple of years, that doesn't do them any favor. Moving on here, we don't normally focus on the two-way contracts too much when it's just kind of a random thing. But Jalen Jones, who's you know, about like a six-seven combo forwardy guy, athletic, working on his three-point shot, he was waived by the Pels and then claimed by Dallas. It's the first waived player to ever be claimed. And uh, Bobby Marks, using uh, an interesting word which I like, said the waiver claim process for a two-way is what is given agents agita because uh, I, I experience agita sometimes, <laughs> sometimes too uh, while doing these games. Uh, but <laughs> that the concern is, you know, like a Jamil Wilson, for example, if he gets claimed on the same two-way contract he was already on, then he's already used up his 45 days. He can't get paid anymore. He's just toiling in the D-League and just being kept around for next year. And he can't have a chance to actually, uh, you know, get signed by another NBA team. And so that's why we saw like Ball and Boy, for example, some of these teams have actually signed guys uh, to NBA contracts and then immediately waived them. So at least if they want to get claimed, they're uh, on an NBA contract. So that's all that's all really interesting just as far as like you know what it might mean for the market going forward Jalen Jones not someone who's you know particularly noteworthy in and of himself we on on the trade market we saw some reporting that the Hawks are looking for a high second round pick for either Ersan Ilyasova or Marco Bellinelli and that is without taking significant long-term money back so I don't know if they're going to reach that I, I believe Michael Scotto's piece mentioned the idea of what happened with PJ Tucker I think this is a little bit of a different circumstance with those guys but they can ask for it and they can see what they're going to do but it makes sense as the rap uh, sorry as the hawks to make a move with those guys because they're not providing long-term value and they can help out a team that's more competitive yeah i mean maybe if it's both of those guys but again you've noted the problem of not teams not necessarily having expiring contracts to send back so now all right you're sending out Ilya so you're sending out bellinelli yeah those guys can help a little bit but now you're also going to send some dead money for 2018-19 back to the hawks you know we've seen that kind of a construct before with the andrew nicholson slash boyan trade where you know boyan could help the wizards in theory last year and they also got off of nicholson's salary but that might be the more likely outcome for those guys getting traded than like oh my god second round pick these guys are awesome you know they're kind of you know if you're a decent team in the playoffs those guys are you know your eighth man your your ninth man something like that something that ended up coming up on the broadcast because it affected the game that we did uh both serge Ibaka and james johnson were not only ejected for throwing punches at each other they were also each suspended for one game james johnson did that in their last game when they played the indiana pacers and serge Ibaka did it today in their win against cap yeah and Ibaka, you know i was a little surprised that it wasn't more because this is the second year in a row he's been ejected for throwing punches maybe as a repeat offender he might have gotten more but Johnson did in fact throw the first punch and Ibaka was just some relatively benign shoving before that uh, in other rejection news Rodney Hood was tossed I imagine he's probably going to face a suspension for knocking a phone out of a fan's 
hand who was trying to video him as he got thrown off the court i don't know what he said to tony brothers but tony brothers was uh rather vehement that hood uh, was going to get thrown out and that's a real precedent thing also the idea of players interacting with fans right that sort of uh, that sounds like something adam silver is going to make a mark on and while we're on the silver note um he noted during his trip uh there in london for that game the game that was earlier today when the celtics came back and beat the sixers that the nba will not air the choosing of teams for the all-star game this is the least surprising thing even if it is disappointing nor will they release the order right boring but also unsurprising let's see what else we got here steph curry didn't play last night in their uh, desultory loss to the clippers as lou williams put up 50 due to a mild tweak ish of his ankle some thought that he could play against milwaukee he did not apparently go through practice today but did some light work if i had to guess it's more likely he'll return against toronto uh, on saturday that'll be a, a really interesting game um we also have uh, an interesting story that Draft Express had where, I should say ESPN, but John, John Gavoni, uh, some of the NBA prospects who were banned from college this year uh, due to some of the uh, the scandals are not allowed to play in the G League because the G League has this rule that if you are enrolled in college that year, you cannot play in the G League. It's very frustrating because we knew those guys aren't going to be draft eligible for this season anyway because the draft already happened. And so giving them just an opportunity to play in the united states get that coaching if the g league teams are amenable because again this isn't like you'd force them on a team they would be signing these guys and so if they want if they want this flexibility the players and the teams then give it to them and also one yeah. one uh, other note oh yeah go ahead sorry sorry one other note with that is uh kind of the, with the terminology of getting kicked out is you have to be as i understand it the rule is that you have to be deemed ineligible by the ncaa and because this investigation is ongoing yeah permanent permanently ineligible so that's what happened to pj hairston where he was actually allowed to do that and played for the texas legends and then got drafted but these guys are not melton for sc is another one of those examples and so and mitchell robinson just he i believe he just left western kentucky he didn't get kicked out or anything like that so those guys aren't ineligible and so that it's it's a problem uh that they'll they the league should resolve hopefully they will resolve it couple of notes uh, on that number one this is not something that's collectively bargained the players right. association does not govern the g league it is not in the cba this is just the g league decided to make this rule and the stated reason for it no one would comment on the record but off the record the the statement was made or i shouldn't say off the record but not for attribution anonymously the statement was made that the reason for the rule is that they don't want players just being like oh yeah you're not gonna play me coach well fuck you i'm gonna go play in the in the g league you know and that that just makes the g league look bad it's like you know i've always felt like the nba should try to compete a little bit harder against college as opposed to like you know we're going to be partners with them but nonetheless let's say that you have that stated rule maybe i think the compromise solution would be that you say all right if you've played a game in college this year now you can't do it but just say oh you were enrolled in college this year and you can't and as long as you do it before the start of the season then i think you should be okay to, to do it whereas uh you know for something like this it it really you know like these guys couldn't play at all this year in college so let them go and do it i support an even looser rule but that rule would be i I agree i'm saying like but that's that's a a compromise compromise. yeah Yeah, i I agree i think if you just go play there whatever you want you don't give a shit about college basketball let's do a little bit in terms of uh injury news there a couple of things that were just maybe under the radar for us frank mason we knew that he'd been out because he hasn't played
played since right around New Year's. But he's the estimate is with the plantar fascia issue that he's going to be out four to six weeks. He had been encouraging as the backup point guard for the Kings as they went through everything else. And Sacramento, you know, they need all the help they can get. And more importantly, in some ways than all the help they can get, they need all the time evaluating their young guys because they're going to have to keep figuring this out. Yeah, and uh, George Hill is back now after missing time to, for uh, the birth of his child. But And at least De'Aaron Fox is back now. So they'll, they'll give Fox a, a little bit more run. Um, for the Spurs, Tony Parker is a sprained ankle. No idea of the severity, but he not playing tonight against the Lakers. Uh, Danny Green continues to miss time. It sounds like it's going to be at least a medium term absence for him as he has not been able to get healthy with this thing. And then Kawhi also with that tear. There's some talk he could return against the Lakers. A tear in his shoulder. We have no idea what that is. Uh, and then Rudy Gay is still out too. So someone asked in the comments earlier, why aren't you doing that game for the Tour NBA show? Well, there's a big part of your reason. Um, and then New Orleans also with some issues of late. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. New Orleans injury issues involve Anthony Davis. I mean, he's such an essential part of their team. He uh, sprained an ankle on an alley-oop and he missed the game, which they lost to the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll see if that ends up mattering long-term. And he is questionable for their game on Friday with the same issue. Tony Allen suffering a setback uh, on the Pels with that fractured fibula out another two to four more weeks, but he had not been playing particularly much for them. Anyway, this is interesting. The LA Lakers had been reported they'd reach a deal for a 10-day contract with Jamil Wilson, uh, the league now eligible after uh, January 10th to start sign guys to 10-day contracts uh, because now, you know, the only way you can sign someone longer than a 10-day contract is to sign them for the entire rest of the season fully guaranteed because uh, the league-wide guarantee date is January 10th. So uh, after a report on TMZ service that a woman filed a lawsuit alleging she contracted an STD from Wilson uh, while dating him and that Wilson knew he had the STD and engaged in unprotected sex with her. So I guess that negative publicity w- was enough for the Lakers to say, we're not going to sign you. And, you know, there's some talk maybe that it, once whatever this furor is dies down about this, that he could be re-signed. But uh, not great as a reason to, to not get signed. Uh, what else do we have? Well, we can go to his fellow two-way guy in the Clippers, CJ Williams, who played last night, started against the Warriors, but left the game due to a sprained ankle. He is definitely not playing in the next game. Doc sounded pessimistic about it after the game yesterday. Yeah, he said he'd, he'd be out a while, while, yeah. So I don't think we've heard a specific timeline on it yet other than that absence, but he's been helping them. And Oh, yeah. And he hit the game winner like a couple yeah, nights ago. Against the Hawks, yeah. yeah. And so, and, and the Clippers, that I don't know if that actually makes it easier or harder with the two-way stuff that they've been dealing with because the deadline for that is pretty soon. I think it's January 15th. So I don't know how they're going to handle that. Um, on other injury news, Mike Conley is, you know, he's trying to make his way back well i thought it was encouraging that he at least played three on three yeah as, sure as, as this word indicated because you know when i saw him maybe a week and a half ago in golden state uh he did not look like he was going anything close to full speed so it does appear like in slowly ramping up his activity with that left achilles uh, that he's that's gone well enough that he felt like he could play three on three and so it, maybe he could make a, a return eventually just in time to screw up the draft pick miles turner missed the game that they lost against the Miami Heat and with with a sore right elbow he is expected to miss their next game I haven't heard anything beyond that and Sabonis I thought played pretty well in his stead but it, it forced them to exhume Al Jefferson which was not yeah. exactly great and they just don't have that many other options so again everything cascades on it and the Pacers you know they've looked a lot better overall since Victor Oladipo got back but you need to win every game you can I'm just glad you used uh, exhume which is one of, one of my favorite words uh, two other small things uh, DeAndre Bembry has been out for a while with a groin injury no 
sign of him returning in time soon. Really a lost season for him. This is an opportunity for a team that needed some ball handling. He was really on the perfect team for kind of what he does, which is not shoot threes, but handle the ball a little bit and defend, but you know, really has not been able to make an impact due to all the injuries he's had. And then Iman Shumpert had been progressing well in his return from arthroscopic knee surgery on his meniscus, now uh, suffering some foot soreness, and he's going to be shut down for a little bit. Not sure whether it's serious or not, but Shumpert probably doesn't really fit into the Cavs rotation. Maybe they try to bring some energy with him, but uh, they have so many other options there now. He's a man without a country with, uh, with Isaiah and Dwayne Wade and J.R. Smith there. Even if J.R. Smith has been disappointing, they're not going to throw Amon Shumpert in that spot. So he has that player option for next year that he's going to pick up. But again, he's he's not really a big part of the Cavs present and probably is a part of their financial future more than their actual. So that'll do it for tonight's show. Thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. If you're listening to the Dunkdown version of this, we'll be back. Special edition Twitter NBA show Monday, 8 Eastern, Warriors at Cavs. Can't wait to, to do that one. Also 15 and 60 on the Western Conference. We'll be back with that for Dunkdown listeners late on Sunday night. We'll talk to you all then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.